Well, hello! Welcome back to Between the Lines, the podcast. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. This is lucky episode 13 of the podcast, and I'm really excited about my guest today. But before we get started, I want to once again express my gratitude to Pamela Brinker for coming on last week to talk about her experience and her book, Conscious Bravery, Caring for Someone with Addiction. The response to episode 12 has been amazing, and I hope all of you who learned something from Pamela went right to Amazon and bought her book. If you didn't get a chance to listen to my interview with Pamela, make sure you go back and listen to it when you're done with this one. Anyway, if any of you have been listening and learning, please remember to rate, review, and follow Between the Lines, the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to help support my mission to spread kindness, positivity, and hope, please click the support the podcast link at the end of the episode notes. And if you ever have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, perhaps, please drop me an email at between the lines memoir at gmail.com. But more important than anything else, Thank you all for listening today. This week, I'll be interviewing Danny. But before we get to that, this is the good news. Good news. The good news story this week comes from Smithsonian Magazine, a reputable source, as I understand it. As a means to revitalize millions of acres of burned and damaged forests across the American West, the United States Department of Agriculture will plant more than 1 billion trees over the next 10 years. That's a whole mess of trees. I hope they plant a few on my block, too. That was the good news. Now let's get to the interview already. So, my guest today is Danny. I first met Danny in a group therapy session during my second stint at Hazelden's Intensive Outpatient Treatment Program in Chicago. As I remember it, we hit it off almost instantly. I also remember Danny challenging me to a tennis match that day. With feigned confidence, I accepted, but more than five years later, we still haven't played. I think we both know why. Anyway, we spent a lot of time together over the next few years, both of us stumbling and struggling at times during our early recovery, but we had a lot of good times and shared plenty of laughs. I think we both did our parts to hold each other up during this difficult time in both of our lives. Not only were we fighting the evils of addiction together, but both of us had lost our fathers at very important times of our lives, um, but had strong and loving relationships with our almost perfect moms. And both of us were trying to take care of our nearly teenage kids as our marriages were dissolving. In the end, both of us would be divorced parents in early recovery. 
And I think the similarities in our stories brought us together, created a strong bond between us, and allowed us to help each other. And I will be forever grateful and thankful to Danny for supporting me in a million different ways during that difficult time. And for believing in me and encouraging me as I was writing my book. And when I first met her, uh, it was really just an idea and a bunch of notes. And uh, my passion for it was beginning to fade. But I'm not just saying this. Uh, Between the Lines probably wouldn't exist without Danny's influence. I didn't believe in myself, really, until I met her. And maybe above everything else, Danny never judged me. Not even first minute. When I told her about the things that I had done, about my arrest, my felony conviction, and about all the guilt and shame I was feeling, she just hugged me. (sighs) And reminded me that she knew what kind of person I was. So needless to say, I'm extremely grateful that Danny and I have remained friends ever since. In fact, I like Danny so much that I invited her to be on the podcast today, even though she's a Packers fan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even like saying that out loud. I I, I would, I might edit that right out of there. Anyway, (laughs) enough of my jibber jabber and like half crying nonsense. Let me introduce you to Danny. Welcome to the podcast, Danny. How are you feeling today? Wow. Uh, hi. Yeah, all of that was touching in a lot of ways. I mean, I've always known that we're very close and very good friends and know a lot about each other, but that was really wonderful. So thank you for the introduction. <laughs> it makes me feel like a, a good friend, which I pride myself on trying to be. Um, one of my good qualities I think that I have. I don't usually praise myself on very many things, but that I do. And uh, anyway, thank you. That was really nice. You're welcome. And it's true. And you are a good friend. Thank you. All right. Let's both take a deep breath real quick. All right. Um, And let's just get right into it. Um, Let's start from the beginning. So um, as I mentioned in the introduction, we met in, in rehab. So that's no secret. So but you had been to inpatient rehab before then, just like uh, like yes. I had. So, but even before that, so let's start from the beginning, beginning, uh, t- uh, and tell me about like Ooh. when you started drinking and when did it become a problem for you? So basically, like take us through your journey with drugs and alcohol, and and uh, and tell us how it, how how you got to that point when I first met you. Yeah, I mean, you know. You think back on everything like where did it start where was like my you know ultimate turnaround in my life where that one moment happened where i became an alcoholic or or, or, or i always was an alcoholic but that kind of solidified my addiction and i you know after so many years of hundreds of hours of therapy 
I still don't know exactly, but I do know that, you know, at 15 is when things really changed for me. And that was, you know, I was really um, sexually assaulted. I mean, that's, that's not sugarcoated. I mean, I was raped and it was not, it was a very violent, uh, a violent rape. And I was never, so I was, you know, sophomore and I was never really a big drinker. I was, a, I was in sports. I played three sports and then it was, um, you know, my dad's daughter, and, you know, so I, I was a good girl, but I remember after that event, um, just craving it more, just wanting to go out and forget things, going out on weekends and, you know, we, I'm from Michigan, so we had, you know, we burnt couches in a cornfield, but I have, you know, have the course light in the boons farm and, um, I had a Saturday night in, in a corn, cornfield, um, but I started looking forward to weekends and I started getting excited about that. And I think now I'm like, you know, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's just, maybe it's a teenage thing, but I don't know, for me, I think it, I, I, I like it a little bit more than most people. And I think it's weird because I, I still good grades. I still mm-hmm. succeeded in sports. I, you know, I didn't do a lot of things wrong. I can't say I was a great child, but, um, but I, you know, I wasn't terrible. Um, but I, I knew I liked to party at that point. And, uh, and that kind of sort of, you know, kept going through my, my, my college years where I was still, you know, able to go to class and, you know, everything. But every weekend I was wasted drunk and not just wasted. Like sometimes I don't know where I was, you know, it's just that that's not cool. Right. Um, and then, then after that, I kind of woke up a little bit because I got married uh, at 25, she's so young, my God, um, 25, and, and I moved away from home, I moved to Wisconsin, and I left all my friends and all my family, and I knew no one, and uh, and my ex-husband is a, is a hard-working, he worked, you know, 80 hours a week, still to this day, and I'm not blaming him, I'm not blaming anything, but um, I think it was, you know, oh, it's five o'clock, mm-hmm. I wine, um, and we didn't have kids right away, we were, you know, for six years, we were, it was us, and I, and, and then he's at work, and I knew no one, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a bottle of wine, I'm going to watch a documentary, whatever I'm going to do, and that's how it went, that came, became nightly, and and then, you know, a couple glasses was a bottle, and a bottle became two, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of how it was uh, for me for years and years, I mean... I started hiding it because that's when you know you're fucked. I don't know if I can say that word. You but, can definitely say uh, that word. Okay, yeah. Because, you know, that's when he was like, listen, I thought I was in the closet. You know, you, you know what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want you to think bad. I mean, he's like, you know, it's a problem, right? You're hiding it because you don't want me to think, you know, something, you know something's going on. And, you know, he would just kind of bring that up all the time. And I just found better hiding spots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Everybody knows, you know, you need the perfect hiding spots. Every alcoholic, I mean, I heard some great ones, but we all know good, good spots. But, uh, um, so that's, that's how, that's how it began. And when I was starting to hide it, it was, it was a problem. Yeah. It was daily. Yeah. At that point. So, you know, I was able to get pregnant. I was able to, you know, have my girls and, you know, not drink through my pregnancies and, you know, that's what I want people to know too. Is that alcoholism is not like it's not always what you see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's people. You, you, you know, they say you know they 
a functioning alcoholic. Well, I don't like that term necessarily because, yes, are you really functioning? Okay, you know, you're really not. You're <laughs> yeah, right. I, could get through, I could get through the day, you know, I yeah. could do that. And so that was my alcoholism, you know, was, yeah. it was able to do things. It was able to go to the parent-teacher conferences sober and drink whatever I, you know, had to, but I still would sneak that drink in every, every day. Yeah, and you and, and you had day. to. You still had to, you know, like you need, I'm yeah. like you need to in those moments, yeah. I can hear it. I can hear it in your in your voice. You know, as you're as you're yeah. talking through it. So I want to I want to just like slow you down for a second because those are the yeah. same kind of things and and the same like reasons that you're thinking that that's an important thing for people to hear are things that yeah. I think are really important, which is, um, one, you, if you're someone you love is an alcoholic or an addict, uh, and you don't notice, that's not your fault. Like they, no. they like you're, you're really good at, at, uh, at covering your tracks and, and, and hiding it and, and doing it in the right times because that's the only way we can do it. And you and I both like held on real jobs and had kids and did all the things we, we, we needed to do and without raising eyebrows really anywhere, um, yeah. for a long, long time. Um, but like you, like you mentioned right at the beginning, um, so honestly, about like kind of where it started, where you felt like, ah, oh, maybe I like it a little bit more than everybody else, and maybe you're escaping from a feeling or something like that. That that really back then is where it like lit the fire for like you yeah. also said that probably there's alcoholism. You were already an alcoholic, and that was the thing that like that you know flipped the switch yeah. for you. Yeah. Um, and then from that point on, you kind of know you're a little different. And then when you get become an adult, like, you know, you, you went to college, became a nurse, did all these things. And then and then you're like, I'm too smart to, like, pretend like I'm not fucked up. Like, you know, you know it. Yeah. And it's yeah. uh, and it's really hard. And then you're in that in that point now. And now, you you know, your husband's telling you, hey, you know, this is a problem. But and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, keep keep hide it that just means hide it in a new way <laughs> yeah. not not stop right that's the difference right well yeah you, you trick your mind like i was saying you know he's probably right i'm not i obviously i'm an intelligent person i'm educated i know that having a glass of every day because you feel like the need to have one is a problem i mean it's it, obviously it's a problem but i thought but i'm doing everything okay mm -hmm. i'm still going everywhere i'm a good mother i am a good you know i i'm getting stuff done so it was almost like a reward. Yeah. Me. Yep. I, it's like I tricked myself thinking, I deserve it. Yeah. I deserved. I have everything. Everything's done. They're in bed at 830. What's the problem? Yeah. I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not doing it, you know. And God, I was, I, I was hurting so many people, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah, but so nobody just, knows in that moment. Nobody yeah. knows but you, you know. And so that feeling and that guilt and that you feel about it is like just in you. And there's one easy, quick way to get rid of it, which is drink another bottle of wine, and yes. that works for a very short period of time. But then it makes you feel worse in the end. Um, so what got you from there into uh, Minnesota, uh, Hazelden, which is the greatest place on earth, the Great Northwoods yeah. Retreat? I know. <laughs> I will, yeah. Well, I went to rehab twice because you know, once isn't good enough. <laughs> Almost never is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, what happened was, I 
worse for me. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up having breast cancer, and mm-hmm. so I had a mastectomy and double mastectomy, and I was just feeling just low and horrible. And so, you know, then the drinking got even worse, and um, I, my husband went to work one day, and I think I was 40, 41, maybe 41. Um, he went to work one day, and I got up, and I'm taking the girls. I'm feeding breakfast. I take them to school. I come back, and his car's in the driver in the, the garage. I'm like, oh, he must have forgot something. I come in there, and he's in there with my parent, my mom, mm-hmm. and my sisters, and my best friends. And he flew my best friend in. Mm-hmm. There's all these people in my living room. I'm like, I knew. It. I'm not stupid. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, this is it, it wasn't your birthday. No. <laughs> everybody right you know yeah i hate to, I, I always say it but, you know i know that it's it, it it's uh you know recovery is not linear and that relapse is part of addiction and recovery for almost everybody but then I, there's always one person like oh uh, you're sending a bad message and, and bu- bullshit like you know my uncle you know he quit drinking and then he stayed it does happen but trust yeah. me you're not going to find a whole lot of people who stayed sober for 30 years without ever right. ever having a relapse again it doesn't mean that I don't believe those people. <laughs> I just I just want people to understand yeah. that because a lot of a lot of like uh, loved ones of our loved ones when they, you know, they're like, oh god, you went to rehab, everything's good, you come back, you're all happy, and then you relapse, like, oh, they don't give a shit, they fucked up again. Like, no, 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 that's yep. just normal. Just love them some more and get them back for some more help. Absolutely, right. absolutely. I mean, the second time wasn't as pretty um, for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not that the first one was, but. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit more anger yeah yeah uh, you know from my ex and notably i mean so yeah he he just had enough at that point um and that was basically like you go or i'm leaving yeah and i didn't want to ruin i didn't want to break my family up right i didn't want to so um so then i went to i went to uh the betty ford actually Mm -hmm. uh, in california so not that I didn't want to go back to Hazelden, honestly. I just didn't want to be there in the winter. It's always winter. And by the way, they're, the Hazelden bought Betty Ford. It's the same family. It's a Hazelden. It it's the same family. But one of them has palm trees and one of them has frozen lakes. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> you just couple celebrities. It was a good time. Yeah, yeah, right. You, you, <laughs> might, you might run into, you know, anybody. Yes. But I had to do it. And, you know. 
so I think that's that's another part about the about why relapse I think is so common in our stories is that uh, you have to sometimes you go okay I went to rehab and I feel better I'm five or six months okay now I'm feeling good let me see if I can if I can get out there and then you and then you try it you do do the more research and then you find out holy shit I'm just as bad as I was before and then the next time people are like you got to go to rehab you're like yeah you're right. <laughs> I think right. you know, listen. Exactly. I didn't really believe you guys in, in when, yeah. when you flew my friends in and stuff. I was like, okay, but now uh, I tried it on my own, and uh-uh, it's terrible. So now you're like, I think the yeah. second time there's a lot more buy-in that like, okay, I got it. I think this shit's for real. I'm not just doing it for you guys. I gotta yeah. do it. Do it for me. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was completely that's exactly what i thought the first time and why i said oh, i mean i have a drink on thanksgiving mm-hmm. you know, i come on it's the holidays i have a glass of wine whatever and yeah. it, it worked it was okay for probably about a month yeah and yeah that, it was like oh that one that didn't work it needed to be the bottle again yeah it goes right back so, it gets right yeah. back to it and, and the thing is if i think that if i didn't go through that that would have been eating at me forever like well what do you think I could do it? What if I could do it? Maybe I should try it right. again, right? Until right. until I know, I, I gotta, I just gotta make sure. Well, usually the results are pretty clear, pretty fast, um, and then lucky enough for people like you and me, there's other people there to help us snap yeah. out of it and, and get some help. And right. so that kind of gets us to then after after that, that's when you came to Chicago for sober living and stuff, right? I did. And so that then you were you did outpatient treatment in Chicago, and, and then in the yep. sober living in the house that's connected to the, the to the program, uh, yes. and again, like like you just mentioned, away from your daughters. Like so, oh. I remember when I was an inpatient, and I was like, you know, you get to the end, they're like going to suggest your continuing care, and I'm like, just don't fucking yeah. don't tell me don't tell me sober living. Don't tell me something. Don't tell me I got to go somewhere away from my kids. Yeah. And if they do, I had the whole thing prepared in my mind, what I'm going to say, so I don't have to do it. Yeah. But they just say, just listen to what they just do it. It'll be over and it works. It's a fact. And, uh, and, and you listened, right? You, you did it. You went there and did it. And, uh, you know, your, your kids weren't too far away and it didn't mean you never got to see right. them, but you weren't, you know, they weren't in the same town and that's really, yeah. really, really hard. It was the worst. I mean, this, I mean, they wanted me to do it in in California, and I was like, no way. Mm-hmm. I said, you find me somewhere close to home. I'll go to sober living, but it has to be within an hour. Yeah. So go, so at least like when I get to a certain point where I'm trusting myself and like yeah. people are trusting me again, that I can go home on the weekends or go home for four days, right? Whatever it is. And in parents, I mean, I just I was gone enough already. I've done enough damage. Like, yeah. You know. And even though I know that that's in our brain too, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're going to be away. What am I going to put them through? And you're putting them through a lot just being alcoholic. Like, <laughs> way worse, yeah. You know? Being yeah. home and sick is way worse yeah. than being away. Right. Like just fix yourself and, and work on yourself, and that makes you amazing. Yeah. And you're so much better in the long run. And eight months is a really small amount of time. Yep. In the big picture, it so, feels like a million years in the moment. Yeah. Uh, but in the big picture, obviously it isn't, you know, especially because if it, if it ends with you being healthy, then, uh, you know, it pays off, you know, tenfold no, no matter what. Right. And look at the people I met, my goodness. Mm-hmm. I mean, to this day, there's still 
my best friends. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you and, and a few other people that I, I still talk to all the time. And, um, and you know, I, I'm sure you found this too. Like, I have a lot of a lot of friends that aren't addicts, and they're great mm-hmm. people. But the people that I find in you know rehab or sober living, those are the people that you can talk to yeah. about anything. Yeah, they have been through it. Yeah. And so, like, you know, it's the it's just such a rewarding relationship. Yeah. Especially because it starts. Especially, I mean, not maybe not for everybody, but I think for most of us, it starts with us like. Um, suffering alone at home, you know, and not telling yeah. anybody about what that feels like. And you think you're the worst person in the world. No one else understands it. And then in the end, you go, oh, my God, the, the whole point of rehab and 12-step programs, and all that is to, to show you the obvious truth that it's whatever, 10%, 20%. I don't know what it is, but a bunch of fucking people are going through the same shit. You're not alone. And they, like... They forgive you. They understand you. They are empathetic with you. And then that helps you forgive yourself and, and make everything, you know, it just aids your recovery. That's why you can't do it by yourself. That's why just one therapist can't tell you because you're like, oh, this guy's getting paid to tell me I'm okay. What about all those right. other people in the meeting, uh, you know, who, who were sleeping outside last night who came in there to tell me that I'm okay? Yeah. So I think that's a big deal, and that's a huge part about the community, the the fellowship, and all that stuff. And that's why oh, you know it's we need each it's other. Amazing. Yeah, it, that is one of the best things about it. I don't want to say you know become an addict because you'll be your best friend. <laughs> yeah, it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> no, please don't do that. But I have to say, they are real people. Yeah, that just love you through anything, and but it's just I don't know. I think that that's one of I mean, obviously, therapy is is a huge part of of recovery, but I think friendships and the bonds you build are just as important. And um, you know, because I mean, let's face it, addiction is a lonely disease. Yeah, it's right. Totally lonely. And even if you're out partying and your thing is alcohol, and you're at the club every night. It's still lonely. Yeah, and not everyone days. at the club, yeah, is an alcoholic. You're the one there, yeah. and you're not having as much fun as they as they are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're there because you want to feel good, and mm-hmm. if by the fifth drink, you might be able to enjoy yourself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a rough, it's a rough disease, but um, but yeah, I think it's really important to talk about relationships and the people and in in, in in rehab that. Yeah, I think, yeah, to yourself. Yeah, and 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 it's a huge. The 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 biggest part of it is that you're not alone. Like no matter what. You know that no matter what you say in a meeting or in a group therapy session in rehab, like uh, there's someone in there going, "Yep, me too." Yep. And, and it, no it, in my in my group of of friends that are you know that aren't addicts and alcoholics, um, if I said some of the stuff that I did or thought or went through, um, the room would go silent. At best, I would just get silence. At worst, I'm going to get punched by like thirty people. Uh, because and it's not their fault. They don't get it. And it's not their no. fault that they don't get it. They are not yeah. addicts or alcoholics. Their parents aren't addicts or alcoholics. Their, their, their kids aren't or whatever. They just, they just don't get it. And there's no way they're going to understand that. And when you can go into a room that finally under, that with people who understand, that's the only way that gives you hope that, uh, you know, you're not alone and that there's, there's a chance to, to get better. That's right. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. So, uh, 
so that gets us like all the way through your so when you were you had did the outpatient and then the sober living in chicago and then yes eventually you go back home um yeah and you know and you know, so, I, so I i spent a lot of time with you during those those years and uh and that's another a struggle for us which is like okay i'm better uh but the problems <laughs> the problems that i created are still there and now yeah. you got to go home and face them all um yeah. And that's really hard. Uh, yeah. So this is like, you know, this is an unfair question, maybe. <laughs> so, so handle it however you want. But okay. uh, so since then, since you checked out, uh, whatever, five plus years ago, um, how has your life been? It's, it's good. I mean, it's challenging. It's good. I mean, I have new problems, but, uh, you know, I... I got home and, you know, I was in the midst of going through marriage counseling and trying to mm -hmm. save this marriage. And ultimately it didn't, uh, it, it couldn't be saved. Mm -hmm. and, and that's okay. I mean, we've come to that conclusion that it is okay. And, um, we're very close. We're very good friends. I'm super lucky to have him in my life. We co-parent wonderfully. Um, everything I could have asked for because, mm -hmm. you know, he could have been pissed off and had every right to be, um, for years and years and years and then taking it out on me, you know, mm -hmm. he, he, you know, he could have, and he, he's, he, he's, he's not, and he didn't, and he's, you know, it, it's been good. It's, uh, you know, I mean, now I'm struggling with cancer, which is, you know, another, I, I was almost five years to three of cancer. And then, uh, you know, that, that popped up on mm -hmm. me. So it's, you know, it's not fun. It's you know, stage four and it's in my bones and, um, you know, so I'm going through treatment and and I'm going through it alone. Mm -hmm. And I, I shouldn't say that. I'm not going through it alone. I have I have friends. I have family. But uh, to go through it without my ex husband, it's been mm -hmm. hard because mm -hmm. he went through it the first time with me. Yeah, he's in the medical you know profession, so he was just somebody that was great. Yeah, to, to be around and rely on and. So, so anyway, so that's just the challenge we're going through now, and it's, it's a whole different outlook on life. Yeah, especially because you know that, you know, the first time um, the cancer popped up, um, it's part of your story that, that led you to, into the downward spiral, you know? So yep. I often uh, think of that and remind myself that. So for me, that... that uh, like spark or instigating factor was my dad getting sick and dying. And, yeah. um, so I keep thinking, you know, well, my dad can't die again. <laughs> he, he's gone, but I have a mom who I love very much oh, and she's, yeah. and she's 80, you know? I, know, I think she's going to live longer than me. In my mind, I always imagine that, but it's not going to, you know, that, <laughs> that would be great. Uh, she's, yeah. she's told me to say hi, by the way. Um, so I keep preparing myself like, okay, so, you know, you got to learn, you have to learn from that, that the, the next time this happens to you, which might be harder, um, yeah. you gotta, you gotta remember the things you learned. So it doesn't mean that it's yes. like when, when that, when that day comes that it's going to be easy, but it mean, but it means that I, I am going to remind myself really hard of the, of what I learned since then. So that I don't go back to the same place. I don't hurt the people again, the same people <laughs> again, right. especially. Right. Um, and you have you and you're doing that now. So you're you're doing the Man. you're going through this the same thing again. Um, especially 
you had a chance of it. Uh, you were like on the verge of going, oh, I'm in the clear. Yeah. Right? Oh, uh, it's just literally a couple months yeah. five year anniversary. And yeah, uh, and I'm not going to say there has been some dark, 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 dark days. Very dark. And, um, ugh. you know, yeah, I, I mean, because I, this isn't curable and it's, it yeah. seems so daunting. You know, it's like, it's like, what am I fighting for? And then, yeah. You know, and then the fight is just exhausting and it's painful and it's, it's overwhelming yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. But I have two girls, and, and that I have to be around for them for, yep. for one thing. So that's the answer. Number. That's the under 100% answer yeah. every time. Yeah. Yeah, every time. So let me just stop you right there because it feels like um, that's the answer, you know? So um, as we finish up the interview here, I just want to ask you, I guess, one last question, which is... Um, you know, what is there, if you, if you had to give one, like, big piece of advice to my audience, uh, like, some last words to my audience about about uh, what has been, you know, the key for you and what, what, what has helped you get to where you are and allowed you to get through some of these hard things. So what's the last thing you want to leave my audience with? Yeah, I, well, number one is I, I think give rehab a chance. I know I was petrified, petrified um, to go, and you will meet the most amazing people you've ever met in your life, one, and two, you things will come out of you that you never thought were there that will, I promise you will make you a better person in all aspects, not just to help your addiction, but just be to grow as a person. Um, and then number two is, you know, find a good meeting, find the meeting or the few meetings that you really connect with people on. Um, it can be, you know, and what it can be anywhere. It can be like, like online, it can be in a different state. It can be, which people do all the time. You know, the people that are, you know, like I said before, like in rural Nebraska or wherever, and they just don't bond with people there. That you can get a nice meeting in LA and find people that are just really cool and that you really start to care about. And those are the people that lift you up when you need it. Those are the people that are there for you, no doubt about it. And they have been through it. I'm telling you. So you are not the scariest person in the room. I promise you, your story is never going to be the scariest story. You're not going to have to be ashamed of your story because everyone everyone's story is mountain it is mountainous is that a word mountainous yeah that's a word mountainous i'll go with that you know to them and 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 it will be to you because it's i promise you it'll 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 be amazing yes and you're right i think i love i love what you said about it would lift you up you know and 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 that's a huge part because you know we all come in alone uh so so you'll you'll first realize that you're not alone and then uh and you'll be lifted up by the others you know like i i thought that um you know a big part of you know it took me months and months it took rehab uh both all all the rehab shit that i went through and then several meetings and talking to several people before i was willing to talk in a meeting about about the stuff that i went through and what i did and and my like real 
step four kind of stuff, right? All my my right. my regrets and resentments and 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 the things that I needed to that I was feeling guilt and shame about. And um, without exception, every time I talked about them, I got an even more welcoming response than the last time. Uh, yeah. You know, so w when you get up there and say the thing you're most ashamed about and a bunch of people come around you and hug you, um, yes. that 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 that's more healing than 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 any Dr. Phil could ever do, especially oh, Dr. It's Phil. Perhaps. So huge. It's so huge because we're hardest on, on ourselves. Yeah, for sure. All we do is like sit around and ponder the shit storm we created. Yeah throughout the years or whatever and you know it's mortifying and the last thing you want to do is relive it in a room of strangers but yep. i promise you it's like they get it they yep. get it they get it and, and then they get it and it helps us get it so the, the first time i do that and i get that response and then uh, i remember talking to my therapist later on about uh, like you know something that I'm having a hard time forgiving my myself about it. And he said, so what happened when you talked about that in rehab or, or in, yeah. in a meeting? And I said, well, everybody hugged me. He says, well, well why can't you hug yourself? Uh, you know, it's like, so yeah. yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. so when anyone else comes up, you know, I've heard some pretty awful stuff that out of context, yeah. uh, you know, I would hate to like even have someone hear, uh, you know, these stories from, from, from some of the people that, that I'm hearing them from, or like my story, we're out of context. It sounds terrible. When I hear it, I go, oh, I don't, that guy, that's not a bad guy. No. I love this guy and he's trying to get better and he's a good person who, yeah. who's sick. Uh, and I do that for him. But I don't do it for me. Um, and I think that the, the less, first of all, feels good for people to treat you that way, but also it teaches you to treat yourself that way. Yeah, that's so well said. It is a true story and testament of empathy and it's, it teaches you how to give it and how to receive it. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. It is empathy. And I think that's the difference between, um, you know, working with a therapist or a psychiatrist or, or working in group therapy, right? So this isn't just yeah. about meetings, but also about rehab, which involves group therapy, individual therapy, and all these other kinds of, I mean, rehab, there's like a million facets of it. Uh, but being in a group, because there are people in that group who are with you and yes. there's rules and there's rules in the group, you know, so in, in group therapy, there's rules and in AA there's rules. And there's like always one dude who's very serious about enforcing those rules. Usually right. a, an old dude with bad coffee breath. That's right. Um, so, all right, well, let's end it right there. Cause I feel like this is a nice high note and we're going to finish uh, the episode on something positive. Um, so uh, let's take a short break and we're going to get right to that. So uh, this is your chance to be an influencer. So I want you to tell my audience about something that you've been reading or listening to or watching lately that you'd recommend to them. I want you to make it good and make it not involve Aaron Rodgers or this episode will never see the light of day. Ah, you are rude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know what? I've been, you know this about me, but obviously nobody else does but like for me i need like like downtime where i'm just either watching something that like doesn't give me too much thought mm -hmm. and yeah chill. and i'm huge into crime documentaries that's my thing <laughs> yes so, uh, i actually used to have a documentary club which is actually a cool thing to do if you think about it it's like a modern day book club it's like yep. a, i had a bunch of 
bunch of people over to watch the movie, and then we talked about the movie afterwards, kind of like you're doing books. That's it was great. Really, it was really yeah. Fun. Yeah. So, um, so I don't, I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to say, you know what? I've been like watching every crime documentary that I could possibly <laughs> yeah. watch and trying to figure it out and just relaxing my brain. And it's yeah. Been great. Yeah. Um, because I'm thinking too much and I'm doing research about what treatments I'm on all the time and I'm just sick of it. And so yeah. it's just, for me, I just need to turn it off. And that's kind of my, my turn. I think that's great. And you know, it's funny. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I mean, I've eat up true crime podcasts and stuff all the time. And I'm like a su- super dateline crazy person. And I'm like, why that's got to have like a negative effect. To just be watching all this horrible, horrible stuff. But yeah. in some way it's like, well, this is so horrible. It's like worse. Like, well, so yeah. I can escape instead of yeah. escaping through like a, you know, Parks and Rec or The Office, which I like to do as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah. through like silly comedy, I can also escape through something that's so much worse, right? And so yeah. sometimes, and it makes you like think and try to solve it. It just like yeah. it distracts you as well. So the, I think sometimes the distracting entertainment can be also pretty terrible shit, like true crime. I know. Yep. So that's just what I've been. I've been doing. All right. True crime. I feel it. True crime. Got to do it. Awesome. Uh, All right. So that leads us to um, our last section so that this this ensures that no matter what, we end on a positive note. Um, So I like to end with with, uh, gratitude. Like I try to end the day with gratitude as well. So I want you to tell me something you're grateful for today, and then I will, and then we're going to wrap it up. Okay. So you start. You know, I always, I'm always grateful for my children. So, like, that's number one. But that's of course. Given, I think. But I want to say today, I am grateful today for the weather and my new puppy because uh, that dog gets me out in the sunshine and walking when mm-hmm. I don't want to. And today I got to do it twice, and mm-hmm. I just was able to like pop in some music and go for a walk and just enjoy. And it was great. So just the sun and my dog. That's so great. And that's like, a, it's a, it's a, such a great thing. Yeah. So we, you know, there's been a lot of things have changed over the years about comfort animals and all that and, and yeah. how much they can help us. But like, that's one thing about a dog, like the, the research has been clear for a long time that getting outside makes you feel better. And if you have yes. a puppy, you have to go outside, you, go. <laughs> you know, and there's times where I just don't want to, I'm like, Oh, but yeah. This is a great Netflix show and a nap. You also crazy. don't want to clean up dog shit in your house, well, you know. No, so, no, so no, you no. got to go outside, yeah. you know. So I, that's yeah. great. That's good. I love it. Um, well, today I'm grateful for friendship. Um, for all the friendships in my life, uh, the old ones, uh, some that I'm, are, you know, I don't keep in touch with as much anymore, or maybe I never will see again. But I'm, I'm grateful for them being friends. And, uh, with me at that time of, of our lives and the friendships that I have that are just beginning. Um, I've been lucky to have great a great group of friends throughout my life. And like we talked about earlier, over the last several years, I've had the pleasure to make friends with a ton of people I would have never known, you know, if, yeah. if my life just was on the path that it was on before, before my dad got sick. So um, obviously I thought of that because of you, Danny. So um you are right there on the top of that list, and I'm, I'm really grateful oh, to, to, for for our friendship, and and for just being lucky enough to have all the all the great friendships I've had all, uh, throughout my life. Yes, thank you so much. It was such a good time talking. To it you. was really great, and and I'm really I'm really grateful for you coming on the show and being so honest and open about uh, about your experience, and it's going to help other people. I hope so. I do. 
First of all, thanks again to Danny for coming on the show today and for being so open and honest about her experience. I most definitely learned a thing or two from Danny today, and I've known her for years. You all just met her. So if you too learned something or enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And click the support the podcast link if you're feeling it. Also, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns that you would like to share with me, or if you'd like to be a future guest on the podcast, please feel free to drop me a note at Between the Lines Memoir at gmail.com. Or just spread the word. Tell a friend if you have one, or tell more friends if you're the Zach Morris of wherever you live. Most of all, thanks for listening today. And in the wise, wise words of my Uncle Dave, keep it simple, be humble, and hope for the best. See ya.